I think the storytellers was definitely um, the highlight of my time at the Museum of Brisbane immersing oneself in the breadth of creativity and having all of those different genres. Creativity really depicts that and um, celebrates that. Hello and welcome to The Common Creative. My name is Chris Meredith. And I'm Paul Fairweather. And we're on a mission to lift the veil on creativity through the lens of ideas, stories and visual illustrations. And and today's guest is Renee Grace. She's the CEO of of the Museum of Brisbane. Um, And I I think it's fair to say she's revolutionised that museum and really brought it into the public eye in Brisbane. Yeah, look, I think she's a visionary um, and her whole thing about... Uh, you know, telling the story and the social fabric of Brisbane has been incredibly successful in her six-year tenure since she's been there. Um, so yeah, absolutely fascinating conversation that we had with her today. Let's get her in, get her to tell her own story. Renee Grace, welcome to the Common Creative Pod- Podcast. Thanks, Paul. Renee, great to have you on the show and thank you for your patience. We actually, for people who don't know, we have recorded this once before, our technology failed us, and so here we are re-recording a show. Thank you. So, we, so it should be excellent because we've done it before. So, uh, second time, better. Oh, I, I was going to say, what if I could kick things off? Because I, I know that you are CEO of the Museum of Brisbane. I have a confession: I've never been to the Museum of Brisbane. I've been to Home of the Arts for the Gold Coast. I know all of the well, the galleries down here in New South Wales. Tell us what's it like. What's the Museum of Brisbane like? It's very much um, one of Australia's largest city museums. So we're all about telling the story of our city. So it's a quite a different approach, social history mixed with visual arts. Uh, and it's quite, a, I call it the new museum. Uh, we've only really been in existence for 20 years. And I was chatting to Paul before the show about, because I'm based in Sydney, it, it, I don't get the sense of Sydney talking about its own story, maybe because it's a bigger city. Paul was saying the kind of organisational structure of city is very different from the organisational structure of Brisbane. But why is it that it's, uh, I get the sense it's a very vibrant story, the story of Brisbane, and it's something that people are very interested in. Am I right that it's easier for Brisbane than Sydney, or are we just lazy down here? <laughs> no, I think um, we are one of, uh, I think, are we Australia's largest city council? So I suppose that's why there is a city museum. Uh, that's the difference, I suppose, with Melbourne and Sydney with the smaller councils. So we are able to, I suppose, um, tell a greater story or a more consistent story with one council. I didn't realise that it's only been around for 20 years. Now, your tenure has been for five years so you've been there for a quarter of the time that's been in existence. six years six years oh, six so years. A bit so, more. <laughs> well, more than more than 25 percent of the time so look when we we're talking earlier you know you said your ambition when you went there was to raise um the awareness of the museum and certainly from my perspective you've done that in spades so do you want to talk about um you know what your goal was there I think with um, Brisbane, and that's interesting to compare it, we seem to be a one-museum town, or we were a one-museum town. When everyone thought about the museum, they thought about dinosaurs and whales and taxidermy animals at Queensland Museum. So it was only out of 
I suppose introducing myself when I was successful in obtaining the role that people just were like, oh, my God, my kids love it there. And I was going, oh, 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 hang on, I think you've got the wrong museum. We're in City Hall. So it became this sort of quest of mine to go, right, I've really got to do something about this because no one knows that this museum exists. And it was because also the... City Hall was being renovated for a long time. The museum had moved. It was at the ground floor. Then it went to a temporary home and then it came back. So it's been the museum on the move, one could say. But it's um, <laughs> been an exciting challenge to now, uh, I think we're back to pre-COVID numbers of over a 1,000 people a day. So I'm really excited wow. about seeing people in the space again. Uh, you, you were saying just before that, you know, it's about you know, telling the story and the social um, and, uh, you know, one of the you know, great exhibitions that you curated was this thing about the stories of Brisbane. And we've had on our podcast, Simon Cleary, you know, an earlier episode. So, uh, you know, I, look, I love the way that, you know, you've you know, really lived up to that value or that ambition, you know, with that ex- exhibition in itself. But generally, you know, your approach has been around storytelling. And that's the thing that Chris and I are very passionate about. So, like, was that there or is that something you brought to the museum? Like, what? what tell us about that. I think it's a different approach to storytelling. I think my approach is very much to have artists, whether it's writers, visual artists, performing artists, interpret history and sh- interpret stories and share their stories and perspectives. And the Storytellers exhibition was exactly that. It was like, how do we commission writers to write non-fiction and fiction about Brisbane through their eyes. Uh, I think that's what I've brought to the museum is really that artistic lens, one might say, to the stories of Brisbane. And so whilst you've been involved in the visual arts, you know, your whole career, um, what is it particularly about storytelling and your take on, like where did that come from within you, your take on storytelling? Um, Where did that come from? Uh, I think about very much from my studies, like art history. I mean, that analysis of paintings and, yes, there's that deep analysis and symbolism and how through history art has very much you know, recorded what's happened in the past. So I think that's been a driver for me. But then also, as you said, spending a lot of time with artists and just listening to how they work and their processes and it's so inspiring and I really wanted to share that with a greater audience. That's interesting you mentioned the idea of art recording what's happened in the past. Uh, I've got a theory that we're we're at the moment as a a society being very bad at recording what's going on because it's so much is digital and therefore it's going to vanish. I mean, is, is there a role at the Museum of Brisbane to record what's going on today? Very much so. So it's not just about reflecting on the past. We During COVID, we were able to do a series called The Museum of Now. So we commissioned uh, artists to document uh, what was happening in the world around them. So whether it was through photography, whether it was through collage, whether it was through painting. And I found that process really insightful but it also is reflected in an exhibition series that I introduced called the identity series and it's about who we are as you know as a as a people and how creativity really depicts that and um, celebrates that 
I love that you're, you're not only the museum on the, or you were the museum on the move, you're also the museum of now. <laughs> you think there think could be a, you think there could be a name change coming up, Renee? <laughs> and the new museum is the other one, Paul. So I'm always uh, trying to um, break that mold of what a museum is. Right. I th- it's it's interesting you mentioned that because I, I'm I'm very conscious of the baggage that comes with the word museum. And you kind of go to a museum with the kids when it's a rainy day or or perhaps if there's a relation visiting from overseas and you sort of trudge around and end up a bit tired and have a cup of tea. I mean, how do you... A, a kind of... A, a, a name that kind of suggests you're trying to break the, the mould. I guess what I'm asking is what kind of people do you want to see in the museum rather than just the, the kind of the, the obligatories like this of the kids and the, and the tourists? Uh, I think very much all ages, but museums in the past have very much been about one-sided communication and that they were the experts and people could come and view the works on display. But, But I suppose my approach is very much about inspiring a conversation. So having that dialogue with the audience uh, encouraging participation. And we actually have an exhibition coming up at the end of the year called Play Move, and it's all about participating with art. And it's been a challenge both, I think, for the team to actually work through that people are going to come in and this work is going to be touched and it could be damaged. So from a museum point of view, that is just, I mean, of course, it's a no-go. Like, how do we (laughs) stop this from happening? So it's been a journey, I feel, for the whole team and the process to say, okay, these artists are professionals. They know what they're doing. They want audiences to come in and they want them to participate with their work and physically, like, get into their work or, you know, squeeze their work or lift things. And I think that from a museum point of view, that is the antithesis of, of how they want audiences to act. But I think yeah. my approach is very much like come in and play. This is a space to all ages. Like it's not just for kids to play, adults to play. It's fun yeah. and learning at the same time. I participated. <laughs> I remember I, I arrived in Australia 2004 and going to the Museum of Australia in Canberra and there was an exhibit there where immigrants were invited to share their story and it was archived I think my story is still and we went to do a little booth feeling very green and very lost sharing the story of why we come to Australia and that was a remarkable experience to participate in that work rather than observe it so that makes huge sense to me. Actually, interesting. Even today, my, my own—you're uh, probably aware of Paul's painting. Um, I'm a photographer. I like to see when people look at my works. I like them to do this. And um, but if you're listening, put your kind of looking, turn your head like that, and people start to go, "What? What am I looking at?" And I love that. It's, it becomes an interactive thing. It's what can you see here? I really enjoy that. <laughs> I agree. Chris, we'll have to uh, next time you come up to do a workshop with me. We'll have to go across and look at the uh, play move exhibition. Um, I think that's essential, yeah. Renee, I, I had a question, and it's probably sort of a pragmatic question, and, and you certainly moved you know, way past this, but the traditional sort of idea of a museum, you know, and certainly the way 
the Brisbane, sorry, the Queensland Museum was before it moved across to its new premises. You know, it was all about the dinosaurs and skeletons and fossils and things like that. Um, and, you know, but obviously now, you know, across the world, the concept of museum has changed. I have two parts to the question. One is, what is in the Museum of Brisbane's collection? And secondly, um, can you explain, you know, that evolution of what, you know, museums now are, rather opposed to what they were when I was growing up? Uh, Museum of Brisbane's collection is predominantly artwork, uh, because it was the muse- Brisbane Gallery for some time uh, from about the 70s. And, again, that was um, very interesting looking at the collection. Uh, the committee, I think it was a voluntary committee at that stage, was looking at what should be in the collection. So they needed a Brett Whiteley and they needed, like, it was very, it was, again, not looking at the city itself. It was looking at how do you build an important Australian art collection. Uh, and that's changed over time, definitely. So with a clearer acquisition policy. So we have a very extensive collection of local artists' works. We have uh, objects, uh, you know, a lot of ephemera or memorabilia, one might say from Expo, uh tourist material like you know the cups and saucers with the picture of the story bridge on them but then we also have the Easton Pearson archive which is um, a fashion archive of 3,300 garments and 5,000 pieces of ephemera so that really dominates the collection Uh, and that in itself I think is fascinating because it shifts away from that idea of art as the only sort of barometer or you know marker of history and when you look at this fashion archive you can see like when the gfc hit you can see a change in really over the top like silver thread completely extravagant beautiful designs to a very flat printing process so just being able to dive into a fashion archive sort of over 28 years charts the sort of story of not only Brisbane but like what was happening globally. So charting the fabric of a changing Brisbane, so to speak. <laughs> yes, yes. That's quite, very poetic, Paul. <laughs> Ray, well, have you got any tips on how to experience, not necessarily Museum of Brisbane, but but any museum, and if, if the old way is you go in and you revere and you, and you admire, you respect the craftsmanship and the detail and the scale or whatever it might be, now it's, it's, it's a different experience. And I'm, I'm wondering, I'm thinking about those exhibits or things I've seen that have confused me. You just look at it and you go, what's well, not beautiful? It's, it's not attractive. It's not skillful. And therefore, it's rubbish. But so, any t- how should you plan or engage with uh, the, the the exhibitions of the future, the the museum of the future? I think technology is going to play a large part in how audiences engage. I mean, there's still those opportunities where you're observing and investigating and looking at work that you're going, oh, my God, that's an incredible piece. And then, of course, there's pieces that you say, well, mm, 
not really my liking, I'll keep moving. And I suppose that's what the beauty of the museum it is, is that you offer such a range of experiences. Because for me, personally, I don't actually like participating in art. I'm an observer. I'm a voyeur. I like watching what everyone else Mm -hmm. is doing. Mm -hmm. So I think it's providing those different opportunities and engagement points. Uh, So, I mean, you can't please everybody, but I think it is about that journey and that experience that if you walk away with one memory and something, one work that has moved you i think that's been a, that's when you say well i've had a good day just on that one work um over the last six years um what, what's been your your, your highlights your, your favorite i know you're not supposed to have favorites uh but uh, what, what <laughs> we have we won't tell anyone it's like asking you about my, who's my favorite child uh, <laughs> um i think the storytellers was definitely um, the highlight of my time at the Museum of Brisbane, that an incredible opportunity to work with writers such as Trent Dalton, Simon Cleary, Kate Morton, Benjamin Law. I mean, the list goes on. Um, Ellen Van Neven, like, it was really a special time because we were able to... Extend stories, or have global perspectives, or other other writers looking back at the city that they might have grown up in. They are not living here, so it was a fresh perspective of Brisbane rather than it being us telling a narrative, looking around and sort of knowing who we are. So I think that that was exciting, mm. and then pairing that with objects and artwork for the collection, and then working with a designer to sort of bring that storybook to life with the black and white interpretation, like the imagery. So it was so multi-layered. I called it, I nicknamed it an octopus that had one leg continuously out of a box, if that made sense, or the tentacle. It was like trying to put it in. It was just like, oh, my gosh. But it was also like, I mean, Simon Cleary and Todd Fuller had never met and because of COVID, they did not meet until close to the end of the exhibition. But Todd actually created an animation of Simon's work. So they partnered together and collaborated. Never before have they worked like that. And it was seriously the most successful um, piece. Mm. And I think a really important moment in both of their careers. I think that's, that's interesting because Chris and I, you know, have only recently met. In fact, when we interviewed you last time, we hadn't met. So we've only recently met. So uh, it's something is about that uh, remote, remote collaboration. Um, I just wanted to, like, ask you, you, you mentioned the Identity Series. So you've got the current exhibition on at the moment um, with... Uh, um, Margot McKinney. Yeah, is that part of the Identity Series? Yes, yeah. So it's very much celebrating um, Brisbane creative greats. Uh, so we started with Lee Shwing Singh from Queensland Ballet, the artistic yep. director, Pam and Lydia Pearson from um, Eastern Pearson Archive. Then we moved to 100 Brisbane Musicians with High Rotation. And right. that was, a, again, just all the, since the 1980s, like we actually had to draw the line about how many incredible musicians Brisbane has produced. And then Margot McKinney is the fourth in that series, which has been um, just so insightful to work with someone who's a fourth-generation jeweller working with fourth-generation suppliers with a global reputation and virtually no one knowing her in Brisbane. 
Yeah, no, it, it is it is a magnificent exhibition, and her her work is magnificent. But as you say, that whole fourth generation, and now uh, her nephew is 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 part of it. So it's it's been carried on. It really is a, a brilliant oh, Brisbane and Queensland story because originally they came from Toowoomba. But uh, yeah, no, it's been it's, it's absolutely magnificent. So the congratulations on that one as well. It is uh, sensational. Thank you. Well, one thing that strikes me, really about what you've just described is how you've extended the meaning of what what art is and what creativity is because we're talking about storytelling the written word we're talking about jewelry we're talking about fashion 100 musicians i didn't hear you men- mention paintings in that list maybe they are in that list but but is that a very conscious thing is to is to say this isn't about images on the wall it's about creativity it's a bigger idea Definitely. It's, again, immersing oneself in the breadth of creativity and having all of those different genres in order to tell that story, whether it is a contemporary story or whether it's something that happened in recent history or even looking at challenging what the future of Brisbane is. And that's what our current exhibition, Making Place, is doing. I mean, that's a very traditional painting exhibition from our collection, but we're asking and posing the question of what makes a place? Like, what what is it about this city? Is it the buildings or is it the people? Uh, so it's it's def- I'm always trying to pose a question when I'm curating an ex or you know directing an exhibition as such. Mm. I, I think that's a lovely thought, especially for artists to, to do the same same thing is that, that your work, I, th- I think of sometimes as art as a provocation, it's a stimulus that, that, that forces a reaction. And, and personally, I, I think the biggest insult you can give an artist is that their work is okay. <laughs> if, it's, yeah. if it's awful, it's dreadful, I hate it, good, I got a good reaction. If, if it's lovely, great, I got a reaction, but yeah, it's okay. It's, it's just, just the worst thing you could say, presumably to a gallery or to an artist. Exactly. No, provocation. It's definitely, um, I think that's the motivation, I think, why, why we're in here, why we do what we do. Yeah, stirring it up. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Renee, I, I'm interested in, um, you know, when you got into this job, uh, you know, you obviously, in hindsight, you've been the, the perfect or even better than perfect person for it. But I imagine, you know, whilst you've had a very diverse career in art organisations and, and the like, um, there were probably other people that had had been in similar roles to the role that you were applying for, but you hadn't been. And so do you feel that you were a wild card or, like, do you, do you know what, what got you over the line? Um, I, I definitely think I was a wild card. Um, again, I th- with museums particularly, they are steeped in tradition. So someone coming from a non-museum background taking on the role, uh, I think was a bit of a challenge for some, but others, I think, as I said, uh, jumped on the bus with me or, and enjoyed the ride. The, um, what I think I bring a entrepreneurial approach to business. I mean, I've had my own business for a long time. I've always been looking ever since early in my career when I worked at an organisation called Art Workers Alliance was about how to find opportunities like melding and collaborating with business for the arts. So that's really driven me in philanthropy, um, corporate support, 
so I think that, in my opinion, that entrepreneurial approach uh, probably got me over the line. Mm. Now, I, you're uh, sadly for the Museum of Brisbane, you're moving on and you're uh, going the way of the dinosaurs, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> it's ironic. It's the irony of it. <laughs> so and you're going to work for the uh, uh, Queensland Museum. I'm, I'm just interested in, you know, I suppose your ambition there or anticipation because, you know, it's obviously a much bigger organisation, uh, but you won't be in charge as such. Like, you're not going into CEO and you've had an enormous amount of creative freedom. What, 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 what's your feeling about it and you know, your approach to the new role? Um, I think this role, I mean, I'll be working uh, with a lot of regional centres as well. So Townsville, the Maritime Museum, Toowoomba, the Cobb & Co Museum and the workshops at Ipswich, uh, as well as the World Science Festival and really the marketing and engagement side of that audience participation side for the Queensland Museum. So I think it, it gives me the breadth of creativity but also that audience engagement piece that I really enjoy. Uh, there's so much content at the Queensland Museum. It is rich in content and it's really about, well, how do we, well, my approach, and again, I haven't started there, but I really want to expand the audience and who's engaging with that content. Mm. And I'm assuming that's why they want you, uh, given what you've done at the Museum of Brisbane. I hope so, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> We'll have to get you back on in a year or two, see how it's going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it was a difficult decision because I, I really, I mean, what the Museum of Brisbane is such a special place. So I think that it does need, though, as an artistic director, I think six years in that role, you know, having that fresh energy, fresh perspective to come along and take that Brisbane narrative to the next stage is really important and I don't mm. believe in hanging on to roles I feel like you need to give people opportunities to mm. come in and share their perspective as well I'm, I'm wondering about how everything's going digital you mentioned digital as part of the experience of of the kind of the, the modern museum and we're all expecting everything to be online and, and against that trend is this sort of a move back to, I don't know, film photography or, um, um, you know, craft beer, if you like. How, how does a museum, which you think of as being a place primarily, you trudge in and, and there are the exhibits, how does that navigate this complicated world where it's got to be on my computer, but then again, if you don't experience it live, it's not the same thing? I think... The I, I still think museums as places are very important, like socialization and that idea that you know you're experiencing something physically. But I do think that technology can broaden that audience. Like we've just done this incredible project, accessibility project now with QR codes around audio descriptions, and um, I think that idea of um, how to broaden the audience with technology is really important to me. Um, and whether that is through something that you can experience at home um, and giving you that feeling that you are in, in the museum or whether it's an added layer uh, while you're visiting the museum. So I think there's two two approaches to that. But I do think, you know, we 
we do we yeah you know, we are, we have a lot of physical objects so we can't all i mean there's there's so many ways that as you know, like documenting an object is very different to seeing it in real life. Yeah, um, yeah so um, so when do you finish up, Ray, Renee? Uh, the 9th of December. Okay. Have they found your replacement? That would be a hard job, I think. Yeah, no, they're recruiting at the moment, so I'm hoping they get someone fantastic. <laughs> oh, I just thought of something. <laughs> Opportunity there. <laughs> uh, I, might, I might belong in a museum, Chris, but... Uh, uh, <laughs> I just wonder if you ask a kind of, is this, I suppose a much more a personal question about, you, you being a curator, you choose what appears in a, in a museum or a gallery and so on, and there are millions of artists out there who must be thinking, ooh, how, how do I get to be in a prestigious venue like that? And, and the instinct in my mind is the harder you try and get into a prestigious venue, the the, the less likely it is to happen. Um, what advice have you got for artists who are aspiring to achieve something great and think that the solution is to get... Should they aspire to be, be displayed in big galleries and museums? Oh, definitely. I think it's important to have a breadth of experiences and opportunities to show your work. Um, I, I would just exhibiting as much as possible because I do feel that uh, the big institutions like to, one might say, discover um, mm. artists. So I think if you're out there exhibiting, um, that a, a way of, you know, people to find your work and then put it on display or put it in a group exhibition and test the waters. I do still think it's so important to be physically displaying your work, not just having online exhibitions um, it's, yeah, and as, as I'm sorry, I know how e you know everything's digital, so it's so easy just to pop it online, and and the, that jump to a physical. Yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm old. Maybe I'm old school. I know there's a whole thing called the metaverse, but I did try and ask my, <laughs> my I asked my kids about that, and they looked at me like, "Mom, why are you even talking about the metaverse?" And I went, "Oh, I was trying to like find out whether you knew anything about it." So, <laughs> But I think young people, and I think that's the change that's happened in our audiences, that when I arrived at the museum, predominantly our audience was over 50, and there's nothing wrong with being over 50, is there? So, no, not at all. Uh, not, not at, at all. all. No, I'm, I'm um, agree with you, yeah. Yep. So, but now we've shifted that 25 to 35 is our largest audience, which I think is really exciting. Um, and these young people are looking for experiences, so it's um, how they're learning, like how they're learning, how they're um, experiencing culture around them. And there was always that opportunity to have a photo or, you know, an Instagrammable moment. I mean, <laughs> most museums are curating that into their exhibitions now. Uh, so I think that it is, it's providing those opportunities for young people as well. Mm. That's a huge achievement. Uh, 25 to 35, I, I, if... Somebody said to me, that's what you've got to do is get that type of audience into this. I would think, my goodness, you couldn't have picked a tougher group because they're the ones who are most busy. They're, you know, maybe they're raising families. Maybe they're going out and having a great time. So what chance have you? That's remarkable. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations, Renee. Thank you. Um, Renee, look, thanks for joining us again and, um, <laughs> and for sharing us your insights. It's been uh, fascinating. Unfortunately, the last one is lost to the archives, so uh, 
you won't, uh, we'll never know uh, what we actually, uh, what words of wisdom you gave us last time. It uh, proves my point about how bad we are at recording things these days. We, we brought that to life. <laughs> we had a great chat, so this is just It was amazing, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, look, and, you know, um, good luck on your journey and, and thanks for everything you've done for Brisbane through your work at the Museum of Brisbane because it really is a, a fantastic place and, uh, and, you, you know, and you and your team. So, uh, so well done and, look, thanks for the time to uh, join us again today. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Chris. And a pleasure to, to meet you again. Can't wait to meet you face-to-face, maybe when I'm up visiting Paul next time round. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Chris, that was uh, fantastic. I'm glad we got Renee back in. She's a good sport to have another crack at it. Yeah, and I learned so much new things, so much more stuff from her this, this time round. We should get more of our guests back for more. I think there's so much they can teach us. I love that she talked about uh, posing a question and that when you visit the gallery... Um, if you could get find one work that moves you, that's a good day. Um, yeah, wonderful. No, and I, I love her perspective of of storytelling from from being a voyeur and you know, speaking and listening to artists over her whole career, and that's what she's taken to a role that she wasn't technically qualified for, and something that's sort of a closed shop. So yeah, so uh, I think Brisbane's been very lucky to have her in that role for the last uh, six years. So I hope you've enjoyed listening to the show. Um, if, if you've got any feedback, please post a comment. We'd love it if you give us a rating, especially a five-star rating. Tell your friends about what we're trying to achieve on the concrete. Yeah, that will really help us, and we'll appreciate it greatly. So uh, please tune in next week. See you next week.